social conversations. We are now joined by Gwanda Vabaza, who's the communications manager for the Ombudsman for Banking Services. Gwanda, thank you very much for joining us. Gwanda, are you there? Yes, I am here. Good evening. Good evening, how are you? I'm uh, South African like every other, facing tough times. Uh, Gwanda, I think your line is not too clear and I'm echoing, so I'm going to ask Babenzito to just uh, get you on your better line. We are going to be talking to Gwanda A-teamers about the tough times ahead of us. I mean, interest rates are are increasing. ESCOM, we are still debating on that 18.65% increase. What will that do to us? Fuel costs has been unstable. The rand has been unstable. Um, I mean, it's tough. And people are getting deeper in debt. Those who want to get out of debt are finding it's tough to get out of debt. Just daily living financially is difficult. Gwanda is going to be helping us uh, to have uh, this conversation so we can see what we can do as South Africans. Gwanda, is your line a bit better? I should think so. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, now I hear you loud and clearly. So 2023 seems a bit glim, but uh, you're saying that uh, there, there could be hope for us. Let's talk about some of the factors that are causing 2023 to be tough financially. Um, I, I, you know, funny enough, I was actually listening whilst you were busy. I think you were, um, I'm not sure if it was an ad or something, but I had someone complain about load shedding. I think load shedding is definitely one of the biggest factors. I do not think we mentioned it in our press release, but we do know that because of load shedding, for instance, some companies are closing. So on top of load shedding, we have uh, interest rate hikes. We have inflation that is high and the cost, obviously affecting the cost of living. Uh, we also have seen, obviously, fewer uh, increases and which only not affect, uh, for instance, uh, uh, transport, but also uh, food prices and a whole lot of things. So I think all those factors, they are grouping together and they are causing serious problems for the consumers out there. So that is what we've seen. And uh, unfortunately, I think from what we're seeing, we do not think the situation will get any better anytime soon. So things are set to be more and more difficult for us um, because all these things that you have mentioned are things that are really out of our control as consumers, right? Uh, But I'd like us to talk about the possibility of uh, a couple of interest rate hikes that are coming in this year. How are those going to impact us as consumers? I think um, from the banking space, and uh, um, I think we do know that uh, a lot of uh, people, for instance, who have credit agreements or enter into credit agreements will see um, their uh, installments affected. So they will end up paying more than what uh, they had initially expected to pay. And uh, I think most of the people enter into agreements during um, the lockdowns. Obviously, the interest rates were very, very low at that time. And I think people, they never foresaw the possibility that uh, the interest rates will go as high as they are today. And because of that, obviously, uh, a lot of them will not be able to uh, continue affording the installments that they pay. In fact, we do think that currently people are struggling to pay their debts. I mean, people are borrowing or into more debt in order to afford the current that they're having. So we foresee a whole lot of that happening this year. 
So for consumers who are saying, look, the interest rate hike is a bit too much for me. Uh, uh, how can I get help? Because I don't want to lose my home. I don't want to get into bad credit. I don't want to lose my car. So um, um, I think, uh, uh, and this is what we see uh, from the complaints that uh, at the Ombudsman for Banking Services, that a lot of people only go and approach their care providers once uh, legal action has commenced. And unfortunately, at that stage, and in most uh, cases, uh, those accounts are already in debt and the banks are no longer willing to enter into payment arrangements. So I think our advice to people is that if you foresee that in the near future or whenever that you will not be able to pay your debt, this is the time to approach your bank to request for your bank to provide you with the options to allow you to either keep your home or your vehicle, but do not just sit back and uh, stop making payments. I think that is the one mistake people make. So yes, uh, we would definitely advise people to go out there and request for their banks to assist them with um, reduced payments. Are are other banks uh, ready though for what they might face? That uh, there might be a lot of repossessions, a lot of you know uh, arrangements being made during this time of um, you know of our financial crunch time. So we've actually had discussions with them, and uh, I I do think they are ready, and they have advised that um, legal action will definitely be the last option uh, they will adopt. So the the first option are uh, they willing to assist consumers? They will definitely enter into payment arrangements where possible. And uh, obviously, there are other alternatives where people are unable to pay uh, a a reduced installment. So we've seen people losing jobs. And unfortunately for those people, it it may sometimes happen that it is impossible for them to keep either their homes or to keep that vehicle. So banks have other options, for instance, the Help Yourself programs that will help consumers sell their property, avoiding, obviously, the legal action that would have been taken because of the defaults, and also, obviously, uh, avoiding uh, them uh, having a bad credit record. So there are options available, and banks are definitely willing to assist where possible. And other people might be considering debt consolidation or going for debt rescue um, options. Are these viable at this time? So, unfortunately, with debt review, debt review is only possible if, for instance, you still have an income coming in. So, if you still have money, for instance, you were earning 10 rents, now you have 5 rents, then it is possible for you to enter into debt review, where they will restructure the whole debt, the entire debt, resulting in paying way less uh, installment, and unfortunately, for way more years, resulting in more interest uh, being paid into that account. So I think the total outcome of debt review is that you pay a lot more than what you had initially and agreed to pay. But the positive thing is that you still keep the property that you bought. But And with that debt consolidation, yes, it is an option as well, but it is an option also available to someone who can pay. So they basically, if you have 10 credit agreements, they just unite all those credit agreements and then uh, you basically have to pay that one loan. So they consolidate all your loans. You just have to pay that one loan. So uh, I, I do think, yes, these options are viable for someone who has work and who has the money to pay. But I think the biggest concern is, for instance, for those people who have lost 
uh, employment or their employment or their businesses and are completely unable to make payments. Now, for them, I do think it, uh, uh, it is very, very important for them to approach their banks in, soon as, obviously, they discover that they are unable to make payments, for the banks to offer them the options of other assisting them to sell the property or any other arrangement that they, can, they may conclude with the bank. For instance, a holiday payment, uh, basically saying for up to six months, you're not allowed to pay anything. So you not paying installments, uh, not paying any reduced installments, but again, with that, there is interest that accumulates. So interest does not stop. And unfortunately, again, it may result in you having to pay way more than what you had agreed initially. But the positive is that you still get to keep your property. So those are the options, and options are available. Gwanda, you know, when I think of uh, the banking sector, I I, I usually cringe around uh, service fees, right? Um, And I'm one who's very, well, at least I try to be very diligent with my rands and cents because I work very hard for my money and I don't make much money, so every cent counts. And I had to come to a point where I just say, no, I don't need to be paying X amount for banking service that some of the services I just don't use. So I'd rather get, if I could, I would have had a student account, you know, where the fees are literally zero. So advise us on banking fees and what we can do, because that can also save you sometimes even up to 500 rand a month. So I actually was uh, in the same boat as you. So I I, I I do think that uh, sometimes as people, maybe just uh, for status purposes, but we tend to get uh, accounts that we really do not need and really cannot afford. Uh, I mean, I see people who have private banks or uh, bankers uh, who never use them. Um, and again, even if you're not using that service, as long as you've chosen that account, unfortunately, you will be liable for those fees. And I think the other mistake people make is that they never go through their statements to check exactly how much uh, bank fees are they paying, which is a mistake. And uh, unfortunately, you wise, fortunately, you wise enough to go through those statements and to understand that obviously these fees have, they definitely pay a big factor in how much goes out of your account. So my advice to people would be, I think go out there, choose one, uh, identify a bank obviously that caters for your needs. Uh, secondly, make sure that within that bank you choose an account that would obviously suit the purpose that you want an account for. If you want a savings account, just a savings account, then get a savings account. But again, be mindful of the fees that are charged on that account. There are a lot of options, obviously, offered by many banks. So. Go out there, compare the bank, and choose the bank that offers everything that you want at a low cost, uh, basically in those service fees. So that would definitely be my advice to people. And secondly, I've seen people take out credit card for, for, for buying groceries and all that. Uh, again, buying items such as food on credit may actually be a mistake. So we would definitely say to people, be mindful, especially if you do not need to do that. Um, uh, Just be mindful before you go out there and taking out uh, items like bread, food, uh, I mean, milk on credit. Uh, Because obviously with credit, you will definitely always end up paying more. So people need to understand that 
believe is actually they're not saving. They actually are losing money by buying such things as groceries on credit. But yeah, um, I think, uh, again, we will say we're not financial advisors, but we'll definitely advise people to go to their banks, speak to their banks, let them discuss the accounts that they have with their banks and ask their banks how they can save. Uh, we do know banks that they do offer uh, advice. There are financial advisors out there and they will sit with the people and identify uh, accounts that are best for the consumers. Mm. So, so yes, uh, banks are actually not that bad, if you understand. How <laughs> uh, uh, you, you, know, you know when you're cash-strapped and you look at that <laughs> bank statement and you think, ha, huh, how many loaves of bread or liters of milk would I have bought with this money? What is the bank in essence doing, you know? Um, but you were talking earlier about credit cards, right, Kwanda? Uh, and I think a lot of people were never educated around the fact that you can actually save on a credit card and Correct. make more interest than you would make on an ordinary savings uh, account or a checking account. There's there's a bit more interest. It, it's related to this inflation that we are crying about in debt. And there are certain credit cards that allow people to have, um, is it 60 days interest-free if you're going to pay back the entire amount? But people are not educated around this. So if you are like me and you mind every cent, you'll stay away from a credit card, but at least have the education on it. <laughs> and I'm glad that we're having this conversation. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I wanted to agree with you. That's something we, uh, consumers, uh, southern consumers, I think, they just take out credit without understanding how credit works. And uh, I was about to say that it is actually very, very, very important to understand credit before you enter into credit. I think by understanding credit, then, uh, again, I think as the Ombudsman for Banking Services, we would definitely get less complaints about, uh, uh, from people complaining about, for instance, their interest rate changes because they do not understand the difference between a fixed interest rate and a variable interest rate. So complaints like this, like that we do get such complaints. And again, it is from people we think are not understanding how credit works. So uh, I guess uh, I was just agreeing with you that it is definitely very important for people to try and learn, even if it's an introductory course on credit. I think uh, it is very important for South Africans to understand how it works. Okay, so there's also the issue of uh, banking fraud. The more uh, we get cash-strapped and uh, things are difficult financially, uh, the more crime and banking fraud increases. Are there tips that you can give us, Wanda, to protect ourselves? Yes, um I think um, uh, most of the fraud these days is definitely online uh, banking fraud. And um, whether it is uh, via phishing or phishing fraud, uh, phishing as in uh, people getting calls from uh, people pretending to be from the bank only to find out that they actually fraudsters um, doing all that to just get your confidential information and use it to access your account. And unfortunately, it is not only limited to banks, because we've seen instances or people call pretending to be from, for instance, SARS or any other legitimate institution. But the, I think the, the one thing that they're after is definitely your banking details, your credentials, your confidential banking details. So we also see, obviously, people still clicking on um, 
links from the banks. Also, they sent links which they believe are from the bank. And again, your bank will never call you or send you a link for you to click and enter your banking uh, details, such as your password and all that. So I think a lot of people are making those mistakes. And we have again seen some as a form of a debit um, order fraud that is happening these days. It is new, but uh, again, it boils down to people uh, uh, accepting OTPs without reading the message. So the OTP will say you are authorizing, for instance, um, uh, company X to debit uh, 10,000 rings from your account. And people, they just accept the OTP or enter their OTP without reading the messages. So we are seeing a lot of fraud related relating to that. So our advice to people is just make sure you understand that your bank will never ask you for certain information over the phone or via your laptop or your phone or via an email or an SMS. Uh, up until people understand that, uh, I think uh, uh, we will definitely be seeing a lot of fraud, bank-related fraud, and people are definitely going to be losing a lot of money. I think the one other scam that we are seeing a lot of is um, the uh, change of banking details scam. So people's emails are getting intercepted, and especially within the conveyancing space. So if a person is uh, has to pay, for instance, an attorney, a conveyancer for, for, for transfer costs or whatever, uh, the, the fraudsters these days are able to intercept the emails and actually change the instruction to make a payment to account X that payment ends up uh, being credited to account Y. So again, if you want to make uh, an instruction or send an instruction to either receive or to make a payment to your bank, we advise people to make sure that you call. Just confirm the account number. If you received an account number from someone and it, according to you, you believe that this is a legitimate uh, instruction from that person, call that person. Make sure, do not call that person from the email uh, or from the number that is attached on the email. If you have the contacts of this person, call them, confirm the instruction with them, confirm the account number before actually making the payment or instructing your bank to make that payment. Because unfortunately, if you make that payment, pay the instruction received on that email, and the person that you intended to pay, does not receive the money, unfortunately, you have still not discharged your debt. So you still owe that money to that person, and you've already lost it. So advice to people is that just be mindful, be vigilant. I mean, the scammers out there are very, very smart, and uh, they are definitely making a lot of money from these scams. So chances of us seeing these scams, for instance, ending anytime soon, are very, very slim. So Lackey in Pretoria East is commenting on my earlier comment when I spoke about how you can use your credit card, that is, if it's not in the negative, Lackey. Um, he says, Patricia, you don't make any interest by saving money in a credit card. That's not true. Uh, verify, Wanda, please. Oh, yes. Um, so you make money if uh, you enter into an interest-bearing account mm-hmm. with the institution. So if it is not an interest-bearing account, I think you can definitely save interest on interest if your credit card account is obviously in advance and you use 
credit card to swipe and all that. Yeah. I think it goes back to your 55 days free interest uh, that you have. So um, you save interest, I think, in the long run if your account is always, or your credit account is always in advance. But yes, you definitely do not make interest. Okay. Um, this one says, uh, good evening, Patricia and your guests. Speaking of not using credit cards to purchase groceries, buying alcohol is a big no-no, as this may reflect on your bank statements and may be negative on your debt solutions. Uh, doesn't give us their name. So what are some of the major complaints that you get and how do you assist people with them as the banking ombuds? So uh, I think the definitely fraud complaint is a major uh, yes it is a major category and um uh, how we are people is for instance we investigate as to whether there was negligence on part of the bank that for instance or maybe or maybe uh, resulted in the customer losing the or all of them so for instance if you were a victim of internet banking phishing or vision scam and you made a payment to an account belonging to someone else but immediately after you made the payment you realized that you were being defrauded and then you contacted your bank to report that fraud then um, uh, then duty the duty then to mitigate or to try and stop your losses shifts to the bank so we investigate whether the bank acted timely to try and recover those funds so if we find that the bank actually failed to act timely, and because of that you lost your money, then that's where we come in as the Ombudsman for Banking Services, and then we make the recommendations, which in most instances would say refund all the money that was lost due to your negligence. So most of the complaints and most of the monies that we get are because of situations like that. So, and we do also get complaints relating to people uh, struggling to pay their debts, so people in financial distress. So in those instances, unfortunately, we cannot force the bank, for instance, to enter into arrangements or reduce payment arrangements with the people. But what we do see and what we do check is whether the bank has provided reasons for their refusal to enter into such arrangements. So in most of the complaints relating to this, um, People come to our office and the bank has just refused to uh, grant their request to enter into a payment arrangement and no reasons are provided. So again, those matters come to our office, then the banks obviously start engaging with the customer, we see that, and then options are offered by the banks. Then, unfortunately, in some matters, the banks reach an agreement with the person and then that person ends up paying a reduced installment. And like I said, obviously, um, uh, reduced installments will always definitely result in you paying more interest and increasing the outstanding balance or the, yes, the total amount payable on that account. So we see that. And um, uh, credit card scams, or we, we still see those. And I think most of the check and credit card scams that we see are uh, again on fraud on vishing scams uh, and people basically giving their card numbers and their CDV numbers uh, to fraudsters who then use that information to buy things online. So we get a lot of such fraud at the office and again how we investigate those is we investigate to see if there was no OTP sent to the customer to verify that transaction 
then the bank must do a chargeback. A chargeback is basically the bank contacting the merchant who received the payment to say, listen, um, this, this transaction is being disputed. Do you have proof that it was authorized? If the uh, merchant, for instance, cannot provide the set proof of that transaction being secure, for instance, uh, of it, there was no OTP, then the bank must assist you with reversing those funds. Gwanda, it seems that there's a lot of things that you deal with at the ombuds, uh, banking ombuds. Um, I hope we're going to have another opportunity to uh, discuss you know, the work that you do there. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we look forward to more interactions with you. Thank you for having us.